Well, I shared with you last week, if you weren't here, that we have some goals going into 2017 to help us grow spiritually. And one of those goals is that, that you and I would attend church more frequently. That unless we're sick or out of town, we would be here with our church body. Because, as we learned last week, this is your family. We don't want you to come here thinking this is a concert or this is a lecture, but it's a family reunion where we come together to listen to God and respond to Him. And last week after service, I encouraged people to turn around and meet someone they haven't met before and talk a little bit. And, and several of you um, commented to me of, of the blessing of that. That sometimes you need to be nudged a little bit to get out of your comfort zone and, and away from the, the, the familiar faces and circles you, um, you talk in or move around in and you reach beyond them. Picture this like your home. And when people come into your home, you want to welcome them. And so I know that every Sunday there are new people walking in these doors. And you were new at one time. And think how you felt at that time. And how beautiful it is when someone sincerely, without even prompting by the pastor, um, goes over to you and says, Hey, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I, I'm so-and-so. -and -so. What's your name? What brought you to the church? What brought you to Colorado Springs? Or tell me about your family. Just some small conversation to allow them to feel welcome. They encourage you. You know, when you come Sundays, come a little bit early, mingle, get to meet people, stay after, mingle in the foyer. We'd love to have you get to know the wonderful, awesome people that God has brought into this church family. In fact, I'm not the only one who feels like this is family. I mean, many of you feel like this is your second family. And there's a couple in the church I want to introduce you to on this video. They feel the same way. So watch the screen behind me. Well, I love Pike Peak Christian Church because it has Celebrate Recovery there. It helped to turn my life around. And it's also a big church, but it feels very friendly and it's small oriented, so I love it. I love Pike Peak Christian Church because it is full of the Holy Spirit. All right. God is at work among the body. Really, that's what I want to talk about today. That when we come together, one of the reasons you don't want to miss is because as a church, we experience God. The church helps me experience God. Um, when you came in today, I don't know if you came in just to come to church or if you came in with a readiness to experience God, but God is at work even today. Last Sunday, the Broncos um, received the news that their coach, Gary Kubiak, was resigning, and Monday had a press conference announced that he would no longer be coach of the Denver Broncos. And, and it was a sad time, but it was a time to celebrate the two years he spent with that team and brought them a, a world championship with the Super Bowl winners last year, did a, did a good job pulling the team together this year. A lot of respect for him, but all the memories of Gary Kubiak are now history. His, his days play calling, practicing with the team, firing them up, for a performance. That's all in the past. And we'll, we'll remember those times and we'll celebrate those times, but it's history. And I think sometimes we think God performed great things in the past. You know, the Old Testament stories and the miracles and the wonders. That's all history and it's written in the Bible. But then God retired and God, God stopped doing all that stuff. And now we just remember what he used to do and we celebrate that, but he doesn't do it anymore. But the truth is God is actually more involved today than he ever was in history. And I know that because at Christmas time we celebrated this message. Emmanuel, God is with us. That, that Jesus invaded this earth to say, I have not finished my job on this earth. I want to integrate myself in this world. And because Jesus was in a body and he was confined to one person at one time, he went to heaven and sent his Holy Spirit. It's like he passed the baton to the Holy Spirit and said, go for it, Spirit. And the Spirit now is spread among all believers, lives inside of us, so that God can continue to do his work. Either we look at the Bible as something historical that says, hey, God did that back then, we ought to praise him for it. Or we say, God did that back then. The Bible has these great stories, but it's only a taste of what he can do even today. 
It, 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 it helps me to trust God even more. It's not written for us just to celebrate history, but to live with anticipation of the present. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. That God is at work even in our midst. Church isn't about history, even though that's a piece of it. It's really about the presence of God even today. And so I want to ask you to pray with me that God would move among us, and maybe more importantly, that you personally would tune in to God and what he wants you to hear and do today. Would you do that with me? Lord, I want to pray right now, even for me as a pastor, that you would speak to me, speak to us. Show us your presence here. Let us know that you have not forgotten us, but you know everything about our needs. You know the struggles. You know who needs comforting. You know who needs to be challenged. You know who needs to be convicted. You know, Lord, we don't. I don't. And so would you do what only you can do and call us to a place where only you could lead us? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. What I want to talk to you about today is really, it's, it's so simple and so basic in a sense. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it's, it's forgotten so often. And so many of us have missed this. And the problem is if you miss what it is God's trying to do in your life, it's like you miss this whole adventure that God has before you. This whole beautiful life God has. All the blessings God wants to pour. You missed it. It's like you made a wrong turn in your life. But if you can get this one piece right, I promise you this. It will unlock a window of blessings. That will, that, will, that will change your life for the good in incredible ways. And it begins with this, that God has a desire for you and for me, that he wants a relationship with us. God desires a relationship with me. I didn't know that growing up. I, I went to church and learned the Bible stories, learned to memorize some verses. I sang songs. I, I said prayers. I had no clue. Back, uh, the church I grew up in, they never talked really about the fact that I could have a personal relationship with God. I didn't even know that until I was in my six, uh, 16 years old. I didn't know that I could have a relationship. I didn't even know God desired a relationship with me. But when Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane, we know that was a famous time when, when he prayed. At the very beginning, he prayed this. Found in John chapter 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life, he says, to know God and to know his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I've heard about eternal life before. I thought eternal life was about going to heaven. That, that when you go to heaven, you live forever. That's eternal. That just goes on and on and on. That's what it's all about, dying and going into heaven. But that's not what Jesus said. He said eternal life isn't about a duration of years. It's about a quality of a relationship. It's about knowing God and knowing His Son, Jesus Christ. Now that word know in Greek, there's two different words for know. One has to do with knowledge about, the other has to do with knowledge by experience. That's this word. It means to know by personal, first-hand experience. You know, you know actors and politicians and and musicians, you know, I could throw out you know, Lady Gaga, President Obama, or Oprah Winfrey, or you know, a number of names. You go, I know that person. Yeah, I know that person. You know them up here. You don't know them like they could be known. You, because if you know someone, you spend a lot of time with them. There's a lot of conversation with them. You share experiences with them. You have some memories with them. If you don't do those things, you probably don't know that person. But think this. 
God wants to spend time with you. God wants to communicate with you. God wants to share some experiences with you. God wants to create memories with you. He wants to have that kind of relationship. Now in John chapter 10, 27, this verse has become one of my famous, favorite verses in all the scripture. Jesus said this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now this is talking about Jesus knowing us. That same word, know by personal experience, is that word. Now how does he have an experience with us? Well, it requires that we hear him and we follow him. Which means he's speaking to us. Did you know that? That he's speaking to us? That he's speaking to you? He's actually speaking to you far more than you imagine. Last, last year, the month of June, we spent the whole month talking about this thing called the voice of God. That there are voices that we are hearing all the time. Voices of the world, voices of the past, voices of the evil one, and the voice of the Lord. And the problem is we're not tuned into the right station. So we get bombarded with all these other voices. But if we would still ourselves and listen and try to discern that voice of God, we've got to, God has been speaking to me all the time. The God who made the universe, God who created Pike's Peak, who made the flowers and the birds and the dolphins and the beasts and everything, wants to talk to you and talk to me. Isn't that amazing? It requires two things of me. Number one, it requires that I hear his voice. I've got to listen to him. I've got to listen to what God is saying. And the problem is we are not good listeners. I showed a commercial last week. I was kind of picking on the husbands as, as men who don't listen real well to their wives. And so you can buy a bottle of Hiritol if you want to fix that hearing problem. But the truth of the matter is, Wives don't always listen real well either. Got <laughs> amen for the gentleman up front. He's sleeping in the other room tonight. Kids, don't you find sometimes, man, those kids don't listen. And then sometimes they go, you know, my parents, they don't listen. We all struggle with that. Listening is something that we don't work much at. When you go to high school and they have speech class. They have advanced speech class. They don't even have listening 101 class. They don't have it. So we never learn how to listen. And so when it comes to prayer, 99% of our prayer time is doing what? Talking. You know, and I confess, when I stop to pray, mouth engages right away. We struggle to listen. But he says, my sheep hear my voice. God is speaking. Sometimes he'll speak directly through a verse. Sometimes he'll speak through an example of a, a scriptural story. Sometimes God will speak through someone else, a godly person within my life. But, but every time God speaks, it always lines up with the truth of scripture. That's how you know it's from God. It lines up with what God has said. The principles line up. He's not contradicting what he says in his word. But sometimes he says beyond what, what, what's in his word. Because there are situations we face in life that the Bible doesn't give a specific example of. They didn't have technology then. They didn't live in the kind of culture we live in. But I do believe this. God is more willing to speak, far more willing to speak, than you or I are to listen. So tune in. Listen to him. Because if you don't, you're going to miss out on something beautiful. So that's the first requirement. To hear what he has to say. But then this. To obey what he has to say. Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they do what? They follow me. They hear my voice, and they follow me. Several years ago, when we lived um, as a church on Aspen Drive, we went through a study called Experiencing God. 
In that study, the author of the study, a guy named Henry Blackaby, said this. He said, God is always at work around us. And our job is to listen to him to find out where he's at work and join him in his work. But the problem is, you and I have a work. We've got things we're doing, projects we've got, and our, our prayers are typically this. God, be part of what I'm doing. God, would you bless what I'm doing? Would you come into my business? Would you bless my marriage? Would you, would you help me with this? And those things are, are, are good prayers. But that shouldn't be the, the starting point. We should be asking ourselves, God, what are you up to? God, what are you doing? What are you doing around me that I need to see and I need to know and I need to be part of? Show me what that is. And then I step out and trust him. See, Jesus said that this process of hearing and following defines what sheep are. Sheep are just another word for a disciple, a follower of Jesus. People will know that you are truly a disciple of Jesus if you're a person who listens to God and does what he says. And you can see already how this is so different from having a religion. You can have your religion or you can have your relationship with God. When you have your religion, it's confined. Here's what I do. It's kind of like I check the box. I go to church. I sing songs. I say prayers. I take communion. I put something in the offering. I listen to a sermon. Did it. I go home. That's having your religion. It's very confined. When you have a relationship with Jesus, it's like you're out of the box. You don't know what to expect. I have no clue what God's up to. He's going to surprise me again. And, and it's kind of wild and, and dangerous and thrilling all at the same time. Because when you're in a relationship with Jesus, you have to tune in and say, I don't know what he's up to, but I'm going to find out. And you can't control it. You can't check the box until you've actually obeyed what he said. So, so either you're coming to church to practice your religion, or you come to church to listen to the Lord and obey him. It's one of those two things. Now, I want to say it in another way. A walk with God is a series of steps. A walk with God is a series of steps. The scripture oftentimes talks about walking with the Lord. I love that picture. It's kind of like a couple, you know, husband and wife or a parent and child, just out on a, for a stroll. You're, you're walking stride by stride together. This walk with God is, is we're partners. God's the greater one, but I'm with him. He's, he's bringing me like a dad with his son. He's bringing me along on this journey. We're walking together. Several months ago, our staff went to Fountain Creek Regional Park, and we spent an hour just walking the trails there, and just talking as we walked along. It was just a beautiful experience we shared that day. That's why I picture this walk with God. It's not a race with God. And... and, and and it's not just standing still with God. We're moving somewhere, but we're doing it together. And a walk is what? A series of steps. You take one step at a time. A walk with God is simply a series of steps. Now, there's two things you can do when you go on a walk. You can either be told where to go and find your way, or someone can say, hey, I'll go with you. I experienced it the other day when I was at Lowe's. I've gone to Lowe's probably 20 times over the past few months because we're working on a house project. And sometimes I'll go and say, hey, where do they, where do they have this, this item? And usually they'll say, you know, uh, it's in aisle six or aisle J or whatever it is, you know, third of the way down on the left-hand side. And, and usually I'll end up finding it after, after a while. But sometimes it's difficult to find that spot or that item on the shelf. And the other night I was over at Lowe's and I said, you know, I'm looking for those um, oscillating blades. You know, that, that, that device that vibrates and you can cut stuff with. He said, I don't know where they keep those. I don't pay attention to that, but I saw one online. I'd like to take a look at those. And the guy said, well, they're right over here. Here, come with me. And he said, come over here. He said, they're right here. 
Depends on what kind, what kind are you looking for, what kind of attachments do you want? He, he said, any question you have? I said, no, I'm just looking and decided, no, that's more money than I wanted to spend. I'm not going to get that thing. But see, he could have either pointed the way or led me in the way. Now, this is critical. This is so important. God can either give you a map that tells you where you need to go or he can do something even better. He can give, he can give you a guide that will take you where you need to go. And here's what God does. He gave us a man instead of a plan. He gave us a man instead of a plan. That man is Jesus. John 14, 6. Someone said, hey, you're going up to heaven. You're going to go be with that father. How do you get there? How do we get there? He said, I'll tell you how. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. But notice what Jesus said. He didn't say, I'll tell you the way. I'll tell you the truth. I'll give you the life. He said, no, I am the way. You do it with me. You do it through me. Not without me, not apart from me. I'm actually going to take you there. So, so God gave us a person in Jesus Christ to lead us in the direction we need to go. You know when Jesus chose his 12 disciples, the scripture says, he chose 12 to be with him. And he could have said, here's your manuals, read them, study them, go online, you know, do all these things. And you'll, when, you, when you get all the material digested, you, you'll be a disciple. No, he says, you know what, you're going to hang out with me for three years. Because in that process of hanging out with Jesus for three years, they could learn his attitudes, his beliefs, learn his habits. All those little nuances, kind of like someone who's apprenticing. It's so different than just studying the textbook. You're actually learning the trade by being with the person. Well, Jesus says, I want to be with you. I will be with you always. He didn't just give us a plan, though the Bible is a helpful plan to help the guy, but he didn't just say, here, you got the book, study it, learn it, follow it, I'll meet you in heaven one day. He said, no, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you this whole journey. God's plan is that we hear and we follow him. And here's what I find. As I, as I follow Jesus, I find that God's plan starts to unfold. I don't see it in front of me, because here's a problem you and I often have. God, show me what the plan is. It's like we have this belief that God has this written plan on a shelf in heaven, and when we pray, we access that plan. Like, God, show me what the plan is, who I should marry, what job I should do, where I should live, what church I should go to, all those things. God, it's in that book you have. Bring it out. Tell me, and I'll just do it. Just tell me what your plan is, and I'll follow it. And so we agonize in fact, we agonize sometimes thinking, I wonder if I heard the plan right. I wonder if I'm doing the right thing. I wonder if I married the right person. I don't know, God. Is it the right plan? I want to free you of that. I don't believe God has a plan like that in heaven. I believe God's plan is this. Follow my son. But God, it's got to be something bigger. Right now, follow my son. And here's what happens. You will see it when you get to the other side. You, you don't usually see God's hand in front of you, all the details. You see it in retrospect. It's when you look back and go, man, I see God's hand all over that thing. I see where God moved here, God shifted us there. Man, I can see where God's been at work when I look that way, but when I look this way, all I can see is right here. Well, that's the way God wants it. You take that step, and when you take that step, I'll show you the next step, and I'll show you the next step. I'm waiting for you to to take a step at a time because honestly if you saw the whole picture of what was before you many of us would say oh that's too overwhelming God all that conflict God all those diapers to change God all that struggle 
All that risk, I don't want to do that. But you know, you can manage it one step at a time with the Lord at your side. Here's something else that I know just kind of just kind of a rhyme to remember, but I think it's so powerful when you grab a hold of this. That the going comes before the showing. My going comes before God's showing. In other words, God's waiting for me to move before he reveals the next step. We see that so often in scripture. We see that God is unveiling a plan, but it's not until they get moving. For example, Abram, he was a man in the Old Testament. He's called the father of our faith. He later became, called, became known as Abraham. But his original call from God was this. From Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Go, and then I will show. Go, then I'll show. But you go first. You go first. I'm not going to show you first. See, that's what we want. God, show me first. Show me where that land is. Show me what it'll be like. Show me what I'm going to. Then I'll go. God says, uh-uh. No, that didn't work that way. You go. Start moving. And can you imagine for Abram? They didn't have um, encyclopedias or maps and that kind of stuff back then. He had no idea. God doesn't tell him where it is he's going. It's not like, I'm gonna, here's the name of the place where you're going. He said, you go. You want me to like leave my farm, leave my family, all the people I've ever known? You just get up and leave? Yeah, yeah. And trust me. Trust me that I'm going to reveal to you a plan. Can you imagine how much faith it took? That's why he's the father of our faith. We see in the calling of the disciples. When, he, when Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee, there were Peter and Andrew fishing there. Jesus called them to be followers. We find this in Matthew chapter 4. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, we, you've been in the churches before. It's, it's come, follow me, and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Okay. So, what's the first thing? Come. Start moving. And then I will do this for you. I'll make you these fishers of people. Go, what does that mean? Fish for people. Explain it to me, Jesus. How will we do that? Where will we do that? Jesus says, I'm not going to tell you all that right now. Right now, come. Follow me. And it took faith to leave their business and leave their boats and all that behind to follow Jesus. But it was in the process of going with him that God began to show them. In fact, three years later, Jesus was more specific. When he told them, okay, here's how it's going to work. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. You're going to start witnessing the people in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's how it's going to work out. That's how you're going to fish for people. But right now, all I need from you is an obedient response. Come follow me. Then we find it in Paul. Paul used to be called Saul. He was a persecutor of Christians. Hated Christians. He was on his way to go arrest some Christians and possibly even kill them. And then God blinded him with the light from heaven. And in a state of blindness, he was told this. It's found in the book of Acts. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Notice, he didn't say, I'll tell you what to do. Now go. He says, you go. And when you get there, I'll tell you what the next step is. See, I think for so many of us, God says, I do have a plan for you, and I would unfold it a lot quicker if you would just do the first thing I told you to do. Obey that first thing I told you to do. Some of us have been resting for weeks and months, even years, to surrender to that thing God is wanting us to do. 
And then we're frustrated because we say, I'm not going to do that, God, but show me the rest of your plan. And God said, no, you're playing games with me. That's not faith. Faith means you trust that I'm leading you into a beautiful place. See, our obedience to the voice of God or lack of obedience to the voice of God reveals what you believe about God. It really does. It either says something like this, God, I can't go because I don't think you're really a good God. That you're going to lead me into something bad that's going to hurt me and frustrate me and disappoint me. I, I don't trust you because you're not good. Or I don't trust that you're able. I don't trust that you're strong enough to do. Yeah, you want me to do this, but I don't see all the support I have, Lord. How, how's, how's that going to happen? Show me how you're going to support me. Missionaries deal with this all the time. God, I can't, I can't commit to the mission field until you provide all the financial support. God says, I'm not going to do it that way. You commit, and I'll bring the support. So God's wanting you to step out and trust that he is strong and that he is good. It takes faith, but it really reveals our belief about God. So how does that tie into us as a church? You know, why should I be in church every Sunday? Here's why. This is so important. This, this is why you don't want to miss any Sunday. The church encourages me to hear God and take my next step of faith. You and I probably have no other place, no other group of people in our lives that position us to hear God and then the opportunity to say yes to God. And that's why every single Sunday you hear from Matt, you hear from Sam, you hear from me. We want you to hear God's voice and say yes to him, whatever that is, to be obedient to him. And you may not be hearing that instruction at school or work or even in your home, but we want to make sure you do it here and have that opportunity. And that's why there's a response time at the end of every service, a time to say yes to God, a time to, to say, God, I hear what you're saying. And today, you know what? Yep, I'm surrendered that. I'm coming forward. Now, there's no magic in coming forward, but it's powerful in, in that in your heart it's saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm going public about this thing. And people can count on me that I'm trusting God now. Maybe, maybe they don't know what the area it is, but I'm trying to trust God. Sometimes we look at the people that come up front and say, man, they've got a lot of problems. They come up for prayer every week. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's, man, those people are really tuned into God much more than I am because they keep responding every week. And maybe some of us need to say, you know what? I need to quit acting like I've got everything together because God speaks fresh words of obedience all the time. It might be that you need to forgive somebody. It might be that you need to get rid of your pride. It might be that you need to be generous. It might be that you need to stop worrying and being afraid about something. And I don't know what it is. It's amazing that at any, any given service or any given sermon, people come up and say, Pastor, you know, here's what God said to me. I go, wow, that's awesome. That, that wasn't my main point, but that was awesome. And then someone else says, well, God said this to me. I go, really, that's very different than that person. That's the way the Holy Spirit applies his truth in us. And that's okay. Because I can't dictate what the step is for you, though quite often we'll say, because we just know it in a crowd like this, this is probably a time where somebody needs to say yes to accepting Jesus or to be baptized. We know that pretty much every Sunday. But there are other things that you need to be obedient to, that the Lord's calling you. So we come together not to practice our religion, but to celebrate our relationship with Christ. In Acts chapter 1, the early church was wondering, hey, what do we do about this next step? Jesus ascended into heaven. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, here's what they did. They joined together constantly in prayer. And basically, they're praying, God, what's next? What's next for us? That's why it's so important we come together for prayer night. God, what's next for us individually? What's next for us as a church? 
You know what God did next for them? He poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people responded, were baptized, and immediately those people said, okay, what's next for us? Here's what they did. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to um, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. We're hungry, God. What's next? And God kept revealing new things and showing up and doing signs and wonders in their midst because they were prime and eager to do what God had called them to do. And when this goes on within the life of the church, we grow up. We become that strong body. Ephesians chapter 4 says, that Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. We want to grow up and mature, and we do that when we as a body are experiencing God together. So here's how we can do that better. Just four little things. One, trust that God's plans are always best. Just believe in your heart. Whatever God wants for me, it's good. It's good. Even if I don't understand it, I have to believe it's good. It may mean that I'm going to go through some painful changes to, to make that part of my life. Change just as hard. Just, but just knowing that in the midst of that difficult change, that God is working out something good. Secondly, allow him to speak to you through his church. Whether it be the worship leader, the pastor, your friend, your godly advisors. So often that speaks to us through godly people around us. Listen to those voices. They care about you. God speaks powerfully through the body. Ask him to reveal your personal next step. Don't worry about your spouse. Don't worry about your kids. Say, God, what is, what is it you want me to do? Then finally, be courageous in saying yes to him. Be willing to say, okay, God, it's, it's my time. I'm going to be obedient to this step because you placed it on my heart. And, you know, when we come to the response time, you may be way in the back. You know, that's a really long walk forward. Or, or I'm trapped in the middle of a row. That's okay. It's going to take courage to step out and, and affirm with God what God has been saying to you. And to say, God, I submit to that today. Yes. And just know this to be true. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, do what? Submit to him. And he will make your path straight one step at a time. That beautiful destination.